Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. This is Pentecost Sunday. Okay, so Beth lived in hope, didn't you Beth? So yeah, this is Pentecost Sunday. Do you know, um, I know we get excited about Easter Sunday because Jesus has risen. That's, of course, a big priority in the church. But when it comes to Pentecost Sunday, there should be this excitement, this overwhelming excitement, because something shifted. No longer was it God beside us, but God came into us. Now that's worth celebrating. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's, that's one of those shifts that deserves a little bit of excitement, more than your face is telling me right now. Now, I know you think you can hide behind your mask or hide behind your sleepiness or hide behind all of those things, but there's just some things you got to burst beyond all of that and get excited about. So let's get excited that the fact that the Holy Spirit, God himself, has came to live in us if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Almost got there, Beth. Almost got there. We may still get there. Who knows? Who knows? Um... Obviously Pentecost Sunday and this morning I want to talk about when the upper room becomes the middle room. And if anybody knows about Pentecost, you'll get the reference, but we'll get into there. The upper room becomes the middle room. When I talk about the middle room, well, what am I talking about? Well, I want you to imagine, you know, the, the guy, the guy who you know, is a father or a father to be, he hopes. You no, know, he's pacing the car doors, he's looking at the clock, he's looking at the door, He's looking at the clock, he's looking at the door, he wants some news, good news, any news, just give me some news. He can hear a whole lot of noise and a whole lot of Christ banging wallop going on in another room, but he's not quite sure what is happening. Well, he paces and he goes and all of a sudden the door opens and a midwife walks out and her face says everything. Mom and baby are well, it's a girl. I'm saying girl because girls are better than boys because I'm a dad of girls. That's how it works. A few guards out there, that's how it rolls. Um, and so it's the middle place. That middle place where, well, the 16-year-old the for the first time does an interview panel in front of a set of older, experienced people. And they like to show their older, experienced peopleness. And you sit there and you try your best and you think, well, I've done a good interview. I've done an okay interview. And, well, they tell you they will send you the email. They'll let you know. And well, you're in the house and you're waiting for that email because something in you says, well, if they said they would send the email, that must mean today. Well, another day passes and another day passes and another day passes. And because you don't have email, you're expecting to come to your mom's email and your mom's email sounds like this. Squish. An email's arrived. It's not that email. And you're still waiting on the email. And you start to guess yourself, guess yourself, second guess yourself. And you're thinking to yourself, no, I did do okay. Maybe I didn't do okay. Maybe no news is good news or no news is really bad news. And then the swoosh comes and all of a sudden, welcome to the team, you've been successful. There's something about this waiting room, this middle room, this middle space, the space in between. Now we join the disciples in a middle room, but also it's a location in an upper room. And these are the words that we read. In 
Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. It was a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the upper room where they were staying. And those who were present were, well, familiar names if you read the Gospels. No, there's Peter, John, James, Andrew, and of course, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, not that familiar, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, because he's still a zealot. He's just trying to do it peacefully these days. And Judas, a son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This was the waiting room. This was the middle space, the upper room that is now the middle room. It's that place in between. That place in between what God has promised and what God delivers. Luke writing, he highlights the words of Jesus. And he highlights these words that, well, have become known as the last words of Jesus. Now, I want to take a moment on that because if we say that these are the last words of Jesus, then that would imply that Jesus no longer speaks. And if Jesus no longer speaks, then we are no longer listening. Now, we do know that Jesus, well, he went on to speak to Paul, the apostle, on the road to Damascus. And, well, if you look at the fastest growing church in the world today in Iran, the testimonies are coming back as this, that we are dreaming and Jesus is speaking to us, that we are searching and Jesus is speaking to us, that Jesus is appearing in dreams and visions and streets and miracles and healings and all of these incredible things. And why is this important? Because Jesus is still speaking today. And if we are willing... It could be that Jesus could speak to us today through the power of Holy Spirit. Luke wants to highlight these words. Do not leave. Now, when I read these words and hear these words, it's just how I'm wired, but I hear my mom. I hear my mom going, do not leave, do not go, do not touch, do not cross, do not... No, it it sounds to me like like a do not... But when you actually realize this is not a telling off, but this is an invitation. This is not something to be afraid of. This is something to get excited about. Because Jesus is saying, actually, we've been on this journey together. I'm going to go, but the best person of the Holy Spirit is going to come and live in you. So do not leave. Do not leave Jerusalem, Acts 1, verse 4. But wait for the gift that my, promise, my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Something is going to shift in such a way internally that the church of Jesus Christ will never be the same again. It's going to change. But it all happens in a middle room. So the first middle room I want to consider is that between prophecy and promise. Bring it close. Have you ever been in the middle room? No, God said he would do it. The Bible, you've read it, you've declared it, you've spoken it, you've, no, I am who I say I am. When I speak words, miracles happen, but not quite yet. Anyone ever been there? No, that place 
where, well, you have faith to declare it, but unfortunately you're not living it? Anybody? I'm looking for feedback. Anybody ever been there? The place between prophecy and promise. For me, it feels a little bit like um, Sharon, my wife, and I have already said I have two daughters. And it goes a bit like this. Um, Sharon, Christiana, Faith, we need to go. Are you almost ready? And they go, yes, we'll only be a couple of minutes. Got to clean her teeth. Got to you know, get her bag, do those sort of things. Will it be five minutes? And that's the, the prophecy, isn't it? That's the promise of what can come, that they can be on time. But I know through experience that I'm about to enter the middle room. And the middle room looks a bit like this. I can sit down, take off my coat, take off my shoes. In fact, I could go and have another shower. I could you know, shave my head. I could go to the office, do a few emails. And I could do lots of different things in between in that middle room because the reality of Sharon's word and the girl's word to becoming a reality, it's going to be a place in the middle. And sometimes there is that space. In Isaiah 32, 15, we have these incredible words of a prophetic image of what it will look like when the Spirit comes. It's a picture of wasteland. And it says the Spirit is poured on us from on high. And just visualize this. The desert becomes a fertile field. And the fertile field seems like a forest. That's something to get excited about, isn't it? That's the church. It becomes like a forest. See, we know and we're familiar with the prophecy that Peter stands up and quotes, you know, Joel first, uh, Joel in Acts 2.16, the prophet Joel. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, no discrimination, will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And we love this. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be. Do not leave without the promise. I'd like you to help me for this one, and if you're at home listening online, fill in the gaps. Okay, what would you not leave the house without? Okay, I'll set, I'll go first, because this is the unusual one. I will not leave the house without a surgical mask. Never thought I'd say that. Can't leave the house without one. In fact, I probably have one in every pocket of every jacket in the car that's probably about 14 months old, and I just keep whipping it out. Anybody hear me on that one? Yeah, there's a few of you have this wrinkled thing in the bottom of their handbag. Oh, mask. Um, yeah, so what else would you not leave the house without? Keys. Keys. Phone. Phone. Money. Oh, well, we know who to rob. Um, so Liz is always carrying cash in her handbag. Anyone online want to hear that? Uh, so uh, anything else? Kids. Wallet? I can't hardly hear anything behind these masks. Here's one for you. Clothes. I just have this high expectation that in the room people leave their house with their clothes on. Yeah, okay. 
If you don't, no, don't speak to me, because that will just creep me out. But speak to someone. Okay, okay, it's always good, always good. Now, when it comes to this waiting, Luke has already written about it. And he puts these words like this in Luke 24, verses 45 to 49. And we're just focusing in on a part of it. And it says, I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city or do not leave Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power on high. Now, there's something about this image that assumes the very thing that you took for granted that you leave the house with, it's so taken for granted that you don't even mention it. It's so obvious that I'm going to leave the house clothed that it's not even in your mind. Have you ever heard the story, it's a children's story, of the emperor's new clothes? Well, it's this little emperor and he wants, he likes clothes. These two guys come along, con him and say, we'll make you the most beautiful, incredible clothes. But the reality is that only the wisest will be able to see these beautiful clothes. Everyone else will not be able to see them. And so people think, well, I want to look wise. So what I'll do is tell him the clothes are beautiful, even though he is buff naked. And I wonder... In all of our pursuit to be wise as church, are we too embarrassed to tell the church we're naked? Are we too embarrassed to actually challenge each other and say, we need to be clothed with the Spirit of God? Because the church is not a building of like bricks. It's people. It's you. It's me. I have been trying to consciously be aware of my connection with the Holy Spirit. As I've been coming to talk about this this Sunday. And I have been wondering how many times do I go, Holy Spirit, leave home with with me. How many times do I consciously connect with Holy Spirit before I walk out the door, get into the car, before I have a conversation? God, I I, I need you in this conversation. I I don't know what way it's going to go, but I need your wisdom. God, I want to send a text to someone to encourage them. Um, God, what verse should I send? No, no, God, I... I know I should pray with that person. God, would you lead that prayer? Because God, I want to do more than pray for that person. I actually want to pray into that person. No, no, God, um, how much should I give Um, to to that? God, um, what should I do in response to that? God, I, I know you're speaking to me. Well, what is my next step? Because if we, we can like, have met someone, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we've all met the Holy Spirit. But doesn't know, it doesn't mean we, we know the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, no, Jesus said, I go and I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. 
So much better, he's going to live in us, every one of us, everywhere on this planet who calls out in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit. See, to be clothed with the Holy Spirit is more than a one-off occasion. It's an everyday reality and conscious connection to the true and living God. God, I dare not leave Jerusalem. I dare not leave my home without the promise of the Father and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit. For me, as a young Christian, when I read through the Gospels, um, it became really clear to me, and then I moved into like Acts and all, and you started to see people doing miracles and all of these things happening in the church, and I thought to myself, whoa, that's all a bit complicated. Um, I thought to myself and read verses like, no, you too will do these things. And you're like, whoa, me do these things? And it became really clear to me very quickly that if I was going to live out the fullest Christian life that God had designed for me, that life to the full that we read about in the scriptures, I need Holy Spirit. I started to read about this experience that like people who were filled read through the book of Acts and went through it and wrote, okay, they became Christians and then they were baptized and full of the Holy Spirit. They became Christians and then were filled with the Holy Spirit and then were baptized. And I went through it all and charted it all. And it turned out there was a separate experience where people were not just confirmed and, and, and received the deposit of the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God, but they had this encounter that filled them with power to be a witness. And I'm reading this thing going, I need that. And I set out on this lonely pursuit of, of, of like, God, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need this. I, I, I need you to fill me. I need this power from on high. I was so convinced about it that I started to pray for other people to receive this experience because it was like, yeah, well, that's what to do. They lay on hands. No young Christian, not have a clue what's going on. Just, yeah, lay on hands, pray for people, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and like Sharon, who's now my wife, we weren't dating at the time. There was a prayer line praying for Sharon. And Sharon, full of the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues. And I'm like, I haven't experienced this, but I may be in the middle space, but I'm not going to waste the middle space. I'm going to pursue God in the middle space. I may not have received of the promise, but that doesn't mean in the middle space someone else can't receive of the promise because I'm not going to waste it. Anybody waste the middle space? Don't waste the middle space. My best friend today, who's a pastor in an Elam church, he's like, God, I, I just want you, Holy Spirit. First time ever hearing like, and receiving and putting himself forward, stands up to the front, pray for him, and he is like full of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I'm standing there going, God, like any chance? I remember going up for prayer so many times. I remember a guy praying in front of me, and he did a full ballerina pirouette. I know some weird things happen in Pentecostal churches, don't they? And this guy like jumped up in the air, spun around, grabbed me and said, be full in the name of Jesus. And to be honest, everybody else was falling down around me. So I thought I'll take one for the team and lay on the ground. I can remember the pursuit. But as Ran reminded us last Sunday, the wait was worth it. To be full of the Holy Spirit. If you read the scriptures in any way at all, it becomes so obvious to live the fullness of the Christian life that God intended for us. We need to put our clothes on. 
The second middle place is that place from receiving the promise to becoming a witness. And for me, I was convicted because I am convinced as church, we have created a middle space. But when I read this, what happened was that people were full of the Holy Spirit and became a witness instantly. Dynamic, spirit-filled, like just can't help but speak about what God's doing. It's like everywhere they went, they just saw people come to Jesus, praying for people, seeing miracles. And I was like, whoa, this is incredible. Do you know, Jesus changed my life. He can change your life. Look what God's doing in my life. Do you know, no way. Have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? No, you gotta hear about Jesus. What do you mean you haven't heard about Jesus? Like Jesus, like son of God came, died on the cross. Like Holy Spirit, not heard of Pentecost? No, no, I haven't heard of Pentecost. Oh, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit coming. Just this overflow, but no middle room. And why do I say that? Because sometimes we think we've got to like, fix ourselves. We've got to get everything worked out. Maybe three years in Bible college. You know, maybe go through 10 different discipleship courses. Maybe do, 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 do. No, we create ourselves this middle space. And there's nothing wrong with all of those things that I'm talking about. But I want to assure you today who are listening in this space and online that when you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, there is no middle room between you becoming a dynamic, spirit-filled, life-changing, transformationally, bringing miracles and prophecy and going for God in a way you thought was impossible. There is no middle room. You become the witness. It's been said that Pentecost was the movement of the little ones. (laughs) And I love to get into the heads of some of the people who would have been there. And I wrote down some of my thoughts if I was them. This isn't the Bible. I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible, but I'm just thinking if that was Stephen Thompson in that space. I thought about Peter. Peter... Peter. (laughs) These are the words that I wrote. I panicked. And in that moment, when my closest friend, Jesus, gave away everything for me, I stepped away from him. I listened to the voices in my head instead of the voice in my spirit. When the cockerel crowed, (laughs) my heart broke. Now, I know that Jesus had always said it and I'd watched it. He had said this and that would happen. But for some reason, I thought it would be different when he said that I would fail him that I would deny him. Because I thought, no, there's no way. There's no way I'll ever walk away from God. There's no way I will ever leave his side. There's no way I will ever deny him. But it turns out that even me, his word is true. In the shadows of scorns and laughter, the flickering light extinguished as I walked deeper into the darkness. And then the moment when Mary comes. So Jesus mentioned me by name. (laughs) Can you imagine? Yes, Peter, he said, tell everybody, but really, really tell Peter. Jesus mentioned my, I thought 
he would have forgot me. I thought he would have moved on. He, he mentioned me by name. And Peter, once again, becoming aware that Jesus brings people out of darkness into light. I started to think of Thomas. You know, Thomas, Thomas is the guy, isn't he, with all of his doubts. No, when they came to him and said, honestly, we've seen him. And he's like, there's no way. No, honestly, we have seen him. And Thomas is like, do you know, please. No, my hope died at the tomb. Don't, don't fill me with hope again. I saw him die. I saw him buried. We, we saw him. Okay, well, maybe there is a little bit of hope, but... If I'm going to believe, I, I need Thomas, or I need Jesus to come to me and show me his scars. In fact, more than that, I need to not just see his scars, I need to take my hands and press them into his bloody wounds. And then we have this moment where Jesus comes to him. And I like to think that Thomas goes, I knew that he would come. I wrote these words, he set his eyes on me. He satisfied my doubts with his scars. He allowed me to touch his pain so I could feel his love. This was a movement of little ones, a movement of a mess. This was not a graveyard. This was a crash, as someone said. This was a maternity ward. This was loud. This was chaotic. This was messy but it was full of life. And that's the church. The last middle room, and I'm going to bring it to a close, is that middle space between Jerusalem and the ends of the earth. Now we know that all of the, the scriptures up until this point had pointed towards Jerusalem. Now I, I want a people who'll be my people. I'll be their God. They'll be a light to the nations. And then what we see is that Jesus has said, you will, when you receive power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we can miss something. See, Jesus has such a heart for his people that he wants them to have one more, the best off invitation ever given. And he believes that the best invitation is a church filled with Holy Spirit power. Have you ever got a bad invitation? A second-hand invitation? I was thinking about this, and I can remember probably 10, 10 15 years ago, there was, now, well, I'm a pastor, so that means some people love me, some people don't. Do you know, that's what happens. Um, and sometimes I get invited to things that, you know, people don't really want to invite me to, but they feel they have to because I'm the pastor. You know, just, just this, this part of the counseling that goes on from the platform. And, and so this person came to me and said, I suppose I need to invite you. You know, the hip and all? You. You know, that sort of you. And, and it was that sort of filled with attitude. My first thought was not, God bless you, let's pray for you. It was, do you know what you can do with your invitation? <laughs> My second thought was, I'm a pastor. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. I will be there. That was my 
maybe third, fourth thought, but somewhere in there, that was my thought. I have equally been the guest of honor. And I can remember being the guest of honor at a feast in Kenya. And this was a feast. The food was laid. I was sitting at the center of the table and all this food would come out. And honestly, it was like, eat some more, eat some more, eat some more. And like, I, I enjoy food. Food's good. But it was getting to that stage where internally your body was starting to shut down. You've been there, haven't you? No, it's usually naan bread, isn't it? No, no more naan bread. Must finish naan bread. Yeah, no, no. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, we're sitting there and the host says, Stephen, dessert. I'm thinking, there is no way. And it's like sweet bananas. Now you can imagine the thought of bananas at this stage. And so this comes out and he says, eat some more. And I'm like, honestly, eat some more, die. And he says, eat some more and we will carry you home. And he was serious. Now I felt welcome. The best invitation. On the streets of Chester, year 1999, working with homeless people, and there was a girl called Ghost. We were in our own upper room. It was a room above an office space. uh, And this girl was talking. She had... um, an empty soul. Have you ever looked in someone's eyes and they're so dead that it shows nothing? Well, Ghost had no other alternative than to live in the streets. That's what she thought. And, well, to survive in the streets, she had made some sort of arrangement with this other guy. Um, his name was Negan. That's what they called him. And for some, you'll get the reference in the room. He was the opposite to the daddy on the streets. He was the enemy on the streets. He was six foot five, six foot six. He was built. He had a mane of dreadlocks. He was fiery. He would stab you. He would hit you. He was angry. But Ghost knew that if, as long as she stood close to him and she kept him happy, then he would keep her safe. And so well, I got a conversation with Ghost and I was telling her that there is more. That Jesus can protect her. That there is hope. And I, I remember the moment where a little spark came into her eye because there was life. Just for a moment, there was, it was just like she knew there was hope. I knew that God was moving in the conversation. And the next moment, well, he arrived. He arrived with his two fighting dogs. He barged into the room. He grabbed Ghost and he said, come on. And I can remember grabbing Ghost and saying, don't go. And he would go, come on. And I can remember looking in her eyes and saying, there is hope. Jesus loves you. There is another way. Don't go. 
And he would grab and he would wrestle and I would say, don't go, don't leave. There is another way, there is hope. And he pulled her away and he snatched her away and he took her onto the streets. And why do I say that? Because I wanted to give her my best invitation. I wanted to say, you don't have to go. And Jesus on Pentecost wanted to say to his people, you don't have to turn your back anymore. You don't have to reject the prophets. You don't have to turn away from my word. You can come to me. And one more time he pleaded with them and his plead was a Pentecostal, spirit-filled, on-fire church. And the Holy Spirit is not just about us becoming full and feeling good and wasn't that great. If we're going to give our best invitation to the city that we love called Belfast, if we're going to give the best invitation to the people in our homes, in our families, we dare not leave the house. We dare not leave Jerusalem. We dare not leave without the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I giving people the best invitation? I'm convinced that some of us are naked and nobody wants to tell us. I have prayed and said, God, tell me. There will always be people who reject our invitation. But there should be those who are coming. I know that the people of UT Belfast and those who are joining us online, I, I know that you want to give people their best invitation. I know it. I know you. And in the nicest way possible, I want to say to you, well, then we need to get to know passionately and pursue above all him as he helps us pursue above all Jesus. We need you, Holy Spirit. Can we stand? I received a lovely wedding invitation recently and, um, and when I opened it, it told me so much about the day. It told me so much about the context. It told me so much about the journey and the expectation of what was coming. The day of Pentecost is that invitation. It should tell us so much about what God expected, what was the coming of the church. <laughs> we should read it and go, oh, that's what's coming until the wedding day. <laughs> that, this is setting the tone uh, until the groom and the bride are reunited. This is what it's going to look like. 
When was the last time you felt joy in your salvation? You answer it yourself, because that will tell you about your connection with the Holy Spirit. But Pastor Stephen, you don't understand. I have so much going on inside my life. No, I, I know. But I know that Holy Spirit is more powerful than what's going on in your life when it comes to the joy of your salvation. I know that you can have a joy in your salvation, but be miserable in every other aspect of your life. It's the pursuit, isn't it? It's the hunger. It's the, I'm just going to get up early. I'm just going to turn off Netflix. I'm just going to make space. I'm just going to create time. I'm just going to get on the floor and lie until I meet with God. It's, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to devour it. I'm going to allow God to speak through it. I'm going to allow him to just tear apart and tear down what needs to happen so that I can create enough space for me to receive the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. I'm going to ask God to stir up. Stir up the gifts that are in me. Stir up the, the prophecy, the, the words of knowledge, the intercession. The, do you know, the, the stuff that was so natural at one stage in your life and now it's like... here's what gives it away for me. I continually need moments where I'm talking with someone and I go, God showed up. God was there. <laughs> for me, that's the marker. I'm talking to someone who's far from God and I walk away going, God did something there. God did something there. You just know God's in it. And in that moment, something of God's heart's being transferred and it's like, God, you know, because that's, isn't that what Pentecost is? It's, it's, you will be my witnesses. And if there's not a part of me regularly aware that I am being a supernatural witness, know that I'm not talking to someone and they're like, oh, you nutter all the time. But do you have these moments where they're like, oh, something of God. You just know. You just know. I spoke to someone recently who led his mate to the Lord. And honestly, you have that conversation, they glow, don't they? They're like, because why are they glowing? Because they know. They know. <laughs> In that moment, they just know. Uh, and that's why the church needs to be continually leading people to Jesus. Because that's the only thing then we really do know. We really do know. Because only God can save. Yeah? We're convinced. There's a whole lot of other things we can put down to whatever, but God can save. Only God can take someone going that way and totally transform them and take them that way and totally transform their lives. Only God, yeah? That's the marker. Because you're going to be my witnesses, best witness ever. People are going to know it's not a case of, I suppose I should ask you, I suppose I should talk to you, I suppose I should invite you. No, no, it's like, eat some more and I'll carry you home sort of invitation. It's don't leave. Don't go. You don't have to 
walk away. There is someone who loves you. There is someone who can transform your life. Don't go. You want to be able to give that spirit-filled invitation where they know. They know that they're not just wanted by you, but they are wanted by the true and living God. And I, I, I want to say to you, and I'm looking at the clock and these guys are going to tell me I need to keep it shorter and you know, all of those things, but I'm telling you, and I want you to hear this, there are people in this room who need to know, there are people joining us online and you need to know that you are not living your best life now. That the life you're choosing, the life that has disconnected you from the things of God is not your best life. That the enemy wants you to waste time and God wants to come and take that waste land, waste time and turn it into a field that looks like a forest. That's what the enemy wants to keep you from in this space today. He wants to fill you with apathy. He wants to like, get you lazy. He wants to go, well, I had my glory days. and Well, I remember then that God used me. He, he wants to, to, to like, fill your life with the negatives and the defeat. But you know what? The Holy Spirit has not finished with you because in the day of Pentecost, it was made clear. If you're a man, or if you're a woman, if you're old or you are young, the Holy Spirit wants to come and say something through your life. This is not the end. And it's time for the young and it's time for the old and it's time for the male and the female to stand up and walk into everything that God has for you. But it's going to take work. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take hunger. It's going to take pursuit. It's going to take, no, I'm not going to waste the middle space. I'm going to keep going until God comes through with a promise. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. It's going to take, oh, it's going to take grit. And so there's some people in this space and you know it and I know it, okay? I don't need a prophetic word. I just need to spend five minutes with you. In fact, 30 seconds with you and I can see it. And usually you know I can see it. <laughs> because the people who are close to me, they know. They know when I'm pursuing God and when it's just tough. But I've got a few who just won't let me stay that way. <laughs> and I love you enough to not let you stay that way. Yeah? Can we do that on Pentecost Sunday? We're going to worship and of course you're free to leave. You're not captive. I know the kids are in there and uh, Megan will be like, Stephen, You've had the kids all day. But we need Holy Spirit. Come on. Let's start the hunger and pursuit in this space this morning. Can we do that? You know, some people, you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Never mind pursue the Holy Spirit. Just start the journey. God, I give you my life. I'm going to give you the best of my life, the best days, the, you know, the, the best moments, the best time. I'm going to do that. I am going for you, God. Isn't that right? Some people in the room, yes? Yeah. But we can pursue together.
become that witness. As we worship, let's just start to, in our own words, Holy Spirit, would you fill me, refresh me? Would you come? Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.